All right, well, I guess, you know, here's what I think. I think that we're doing this a little bit wrong. I've been stepping on your role a little bit. I mean, this podcast, its title comes from a, a certain place, which maybe we should explain, the May God Help Us podcast, which you guys are listening to. Thank you guys for listening to the newest episode right now. And um, May God Help Us. It is a thing that I have heard every Sunday for pretty much my entire life. <laughs> Except for the year in there where I just didn't show up to church downstairs. Uh, I heard that every single week was may God help us at the end of every single sermon. You ended it with may God help us. And then every time you said that, that was the cue that that was the end end of the sermon. When you heard may God help us, the sermon was done. We're about to transition to prayer. We're about to go have a potluck or something like that. And so I have, what made you decide that that was going to be your slogan or your send off for each sermon. What, when did you first say that? And, and when you did first say that, was there a moment where you're just like, Ooh, Ooh, that's kind of, I kind of want that to be me. Or did it just happen? You know, it it just kind of happened, but also I can't necessarily claim it as my own because I think if I remember correctly, I heard it years and years ago from your grandfather at the end of a mm. sermon, and it's sort of stuck in my head, but in the you know in the back of my mind. And I I just said it one Sunday, and and I don't even like consciously like think, oh, I'm going to say this at the end of every message. I just do because I I like. Over time, I've realized just how much I walk in dependence on God for everything. And mm-hmm. even like, say, going through a, a book in the Bible, like one of Paul's letters, he always begins with mercy and grace, ends with grace. In other words, everything that he addresses in between that is in need of God's favor and help and, and to work it out in our lives. As much as there's responsibility in our part and culpability, it, there's constant you need, need to walk in God's dependence or in Proverbs 3, Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, knowing him, and he will make your path straight. So it's just mm-hmm. that acknowledgement on my part of I, I need God's assistance always, not only to understand the truths that are in the passage, but also then how to apply them to life. And and so it's just a reminder for myself. But, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm, it's it's a saying that I, I do. I like it's a good way to wrap it up, although I, I think that. Because you've said it so much, it's almost like the whelp at the end of a statement. It's like, well, guys want to pack it up and do something else, I guess. <laughs> you guys want to wrap this one up, call it a day. Well, hey, we're here, we're done here. Um, but I do like it because at the it, it is it's just this final. You've taken in all that you've taken in from the message. You've been challenged for the week ahead, you know, or at least you'd hope to be by the sermon, and then. At the end of it, it's just this reminder that you're you can do it, but you're gonna have to depend on God, yeah. Or else it's none of this none of this stuff spoken of in the sermon really matters all that much if you're not actually living in dependence on Him. Yeah. Which which uh, now before I move because I got another question on that I was gonna say I think that I've been stepping on your role being the originator or I mean maybe not even the originator but the See, like, 
Grandpa was the one to originate it, but you were the one to make it popular. You're the one who put it in the zeitgeist. Now everyone knows it because of you, even though you got it from the older generation, and which I like. And so I think that at the end of the episode, I'll do the little wrap-up, and I'll say the things, and then I'll give it to you to say, may God help us at the end. Okay. So it'll just be, it might take us a little bit to get the pass pass off between one to the next. So it might be a little choppy at the end of this episode. So don't shame us. Don't come for us in the comments or anything like that. But I think that that is, I've been saying it. I'm like, this is not my job. I don't feel right taking this over yet. <laughs> um, I assume that at some point, if we continue doing this podcast long enough, there will be an episode where I have to come on here alone because you have unfortunately passed away. And at the end of that episode, which will be very short, I will say a final may God help us probably break down crying. Let the music play out. It'll be a big thing and it'll be, it'll live on forever. It'll probably go viral on TikTok or something like that. And that will be the only time that I say, cause I feel like that's really you. It's your thing. Well, I appreciate that. I'm hoping that you wanted to say it <laughs> for too long, but then again, <laughs> too, too, too soon. <laughs> um, speaking, speaking of, that may m, m, the needing of God's help on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, a question that just kind of came to me, I was just curious because I know that your full-time job obviously is spending time in the word and spending time studying. And I already not having it be my job and having it every time I sit down to do it, have a thing that I'm just choosing to make it a part of my day and choosing to make that, relationship a part of my life and yet still at times I struggle to not feel like I'm just going through the motions and I'm in some kind of routine yeah and so and I struggle with that keeping it genuine and authentic and really having a conversation with God and really showing up to hear from him uh, I wonder how is it how do you avoid feeling like you just have fallen into a rut and keeping the things new for you every single day well part of it is i think that if you as strange as it might seem having a book that you're walking through from beginning to end because you have a purpose for why you're there right you're trying to to complete this book if anything you know, get through it from beginning to end, study it out and, and gleaning from it all that you can glean from it. But it also gives you a sense of of regularity and, and stability because you know where you're going to be. If you're bouncing around from place to place, it's really hard, I think, one, to establish stability in it, but also to come to it expecting something from it. Like you, Like you've had thoughts you're working through if you're going through a book, Thoughts you're yeah. working through on a passage, you're going to move to the next one. It keeps you going. It keeps you thriving to understand more and put pieces together and that kind of thing. And mm -hmm. so I think having that, it, it serves uh, multiple purposes. And one of them, I think, is just to keep things alive and fresh because you're going to then be picking up you know, thoughts as you go along, pieces will connect. You'll start to understand how this chapter connects with this one and how this thought carries over into this thought and that kind of thing. And I think it, it sort of helps you to keep, keep coming back into it because then when you gain insights into things that also will, will keep you coming back because you, you realize that there's more to, to gain there. But the other side, I, I 
think is just keeping God's character in mind that he is infinite. And that means then that he has no limitations and that we can always be guaranteed that there's going to be something new that we're going to learn about him simply because of the fact that he is who he is. We can never plumb the complete depths of God, nor will we fully grasp everything about him. So there's always something new to learn about him. Do do you ever have those days where you sit down for the first time um, to spend time in the Word, spend time in a book? I do feel, I do agree with you a lot on that. It's something that I'm, I've gone through books and I've been going through books more often. I think there was definitely periods in my life where I was more sporadic. I still find myself a little sporadic sometimes where it's just like, I'll touch a book for a couple weeks and I'll go through it a little bit. Like I'll go all the way through it a couple times and kind of get some stuff. And I'll be like, you know, I want to jump over to something else for a little bit and then come back to this again. And uh, especially if I'm listening through a book, if I just have it on throughout my day, because I remember I first time I went through Ecclesiastes, I probably listened to it around like 14 or 15 times in a period of like a month, which is not that hard in a, like a six chapter book to get through. You could listen to it five times in a day, you know, if you really want to. And so, and I would just kind of have it on repeat or if I was going to start just chapter one, I play chapter one all the way through. And I, as soon as it got to chapter two, I just skip back to chapter one and just hit it again and again and go through it like four or five, six times. And, uh, just to try to, you know, pick more apart and going through like a bigger thing opposed to just going to a Psalm or a proverb is that you're building on idea foundations laid in the first chapter, then built on in the second chapter, then built upon more throughout the rest of the book. And so there's, you're connecting more pieces than just trying to connect the pieces within the eight verses of the Psalm or something like that, which yeah, obviously a lot of the Psalms have connection across with each other in different ways. But I've found an appreciation for approaching a full book. Sometimes it feels daunting and overwhelming, Um, But are there days where you sit down to start reading and it just feels like you're reading the words on the page and you're like, I know I just read that paragraph, but I don't really know what I just read. And like, I'm my mind is kind of somewhere else. And I'm thinking about, you know, this conversation I had with, you know, with your wife earlier or something like that. And you're like, I'm trying to go, you know, how do you, do you have those moments where you're just not engaged with it? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's times where that comes. I mean, it, it, it surprisingly, it can come rather frequently if, if you're talking about a pastor or someone who's teaching regularly, you know, it's like, it, it becomes sort of academic and, and, sort of routine so that can also sort of work against you sometimes because you know you come at it and it's like okay you know same thing as as last time you know you kind of have your routine of how you do stuff so yeah. in that sense it can work against you but I, I mean usually I try to you know like when I'm reading just to read I, I try to like pick books that don't relate to what I'm covering you know, so I'll read sections of different books, our whole entire book, you know, like go to Second Corinthians and there's just, you know, I'll read the first several chapters and that 
something like that. And sometimes I use like a different translation. I mean, there's a limit to where I'll go with that because when you're studying, you want a literal translation. But sometimes it's good to see it from a, a, a different from a different perspective because you know when you read something over and over and over again like yeah. going back to a book and you've read through the passage numerous times one that helps you memorize it because you realize like you've got it down but when you keep staring at a page over and over again sometimes like you just can go past something like you don't even see it's there anymore and you yeah. just skim past it. So I'll just pick up a different translation if I feel stuck like that, and I'll just read it. And and oftentimes there will be something that will just pop out, and it'll get my mind working again. I'll go, oh, okay, well, well, I need it's to go it's kind of nice because I I've I've just started now where I have a few different I have like two different Bible apps that I use that I enjoy using. One when I'm reading off my phone, I like going to this one, and then one when I'm listening, it's just the and then I have my own actual Bible at home. And so I, I've enjoyed it only because sometimes they'll just change a word and they'll use a different variation of that word. And it yeah. will and it will be a verse that I have like passed over a few times and then just seeing it with this word instead clicks it for me in my head. And I'm just like, oh, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Like I didn't even see that there. I just kind of been saying those words in that order so many times, and now seeing it with just a slightly different arrangement of the words just allowed me to kind of look at it with new eyes and and see something else there that I didn't before. Yeah. Um. Do you so? Other than that, because do you have times where you feel like? Well, are you are you always? studying a book for you know your sermon and for whatever you're teaching do you always have a second thing you're going through just in your own time or sometimes is it crossover where it's you you, you throughout like on a daily basis are you reading two different things are you having two different times time for studying for your work time for studying just for you yeah i mean i've I've usually got several brands in the fire. So I have the, mm. the book that I'm preaching through on Sundays. <clears throat> and sometimes that gets altered depending, like coming up on Christmas, if I'm going like I did this time, if I'm going through Ecclesiastes, I'm not going to necessarily preach on that through December. <laughs> there's really, there's no yeah. connection, right? So no. I'll, I'll go to the Gospels or something that, that pertains it's a little, to... It's a, little, it's a little heavy to dump on people while they're yeah. trying to, like, buy presents and stuff, and you're being told that everything is meaningless and worthless, <laughs> yeah. and, like, what are you doing, and... And so, and people expect that, you know, same with, you know, Easter, and so there, there are going to be times where you sort of break the flow of where you're at, <clears throat> but really Christmas and Easter are the only two times that... I'm I'm willing to break for the most part. Occasionally, I'll do like Mother's Day and Father's Day, something like that. But yeah, it, that's not always going to be the case for me. But you know, like in for midweek, then I would do Bible study during the midweek. So I had recently gone through First John, so I did First John on Wednesdays, and then at the time I was going through the Psalms on Sundays. Now Ecclesiastes, and then I've got Friday night with the youth, which we're doing Philippians. So I have those books that I'm studying for those things. Um, and then I do like alternating weeks. I do Greek, so I have that going on. 
Um, so that sort of breaks things up for me a little bit, but I have stuff that I do on the side. Like now I'm working on, you know, I'll, I have just reading that I do. And then I have like in-depth study that I do that doesn't mm-hmm. pertain to my preaching. So I'm going through, um, first Corinthians and I'm writing a series and dealing with the gospel evangelism. Like what does first Corinthians tell us about evangelism how do we approach it? You know, what is the manner of? And so I'm going into more detail, looking at word by word, phrase by phrase, chapter, overall context, all that kind of stuff. And I'm walking through and I'm writing things. So I have stuff like that that I'm doing. Sometimes it's going back to a book I've already preached through and studied through numerous times, and I'm working on the theology of. So I'll do a lot of that on the side um, where I'll just uh, be working through a theological um, truth from uh, a books that I've been have already taught through in that, and compiling those and just working through you know doctrines and so on. So 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 t- take a regular week where you have Bible study on Wednesday, youth group on Friday, sermon on Sunday, and you're doing your own time with the Lord. What does a regular day walking with the Lord for you kind of look like? What does it start with? Does it start with studying something that you're working through? Does it start with just prayer? Does it start with uh, reading something for yourself? And then, and how does it progress throughout the day? How do you kind of schedule that out? It usually starts with studying that I'm, I'm like I'm working through. So, like say on mm. uh, if I how my week would start is Sunday after church, I come home. I'm already starting to work on a message for the following Sunday hmm. because there are thoughts that come when you when you're teaching through something. Sometimes hmm. there are things that click for you a little bit more in regards to the passage and its surrounding context, and I don't want to lose that. And so I'll yeah. go home and and start working on it. You know, every once in a while, there's something that I'm thinking through in a passage, and I want to spend time just reflecting on that. So. I'll do that on a Sunday afternoon, but most of the time I'm I'm just starting the work on the next passage. But for me, the study time comes in the starts in the morning and works through the day. The more reflective time time that I read for myself and just let the Word of God sit is um, in the evenings because that's when it's quiet. Everyone's in bed. I can just read from the Word of God and then just, you know, I'll lay back in my bed because it takes me a while to fall asleep, and I'll just let, you know, the thoughts sift through and flow and, you know. I'll so is there is there a around. difference? Is there a difference to the way you approach that time and time when you're studying when it comes to how you read or or are you— I don't know. Or does it affect like your prayer? Like, are you praying? Are you in conversation with God throughout your day while you're studying? Is there a lot of back and forth between you and him? Or is it pretty much you're just you're picking apart the book in a more um, academic way, as you said? Well, I'm 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 doing that, but I'm always, you know, in conversation with God and, and trying to figure things out, you know, and walking through it. I mean, there's just this constant awareness of my dependence on him and so I'm constantly looking for him to help me put pieces together understanding how the the parts make up the whole message and that and so that's just a constant through the day but there are times where people ask me to pray for certain things and so 
I'll, I'll incorporate that in my time because I'm I'm working on things. I'll just stop and start praying for certain people, depending on, you know, what's going on in their lives and that. And so that will be a part of my time. And then the the evening time is, I I try not to. <clears throat> I don't, you know, I don't have a tendency because I'm always looking at the particulars all the time and pulling things apart and that kind of thing. That yeah. I really try to make the time that I just spend reading, just reading, and let God just talk. And so I, I oftentimes I'll read like I will read either the NIV or the New English Translation, which is sort of a cross between NASB and NIV. Um, yeah. Occasionally I'll read the New Living Translation. Uh, but I'm careful with that. Mostly, I don't. I only read books that I know real well, and we'll read that. But you basically have a literal, you know, translation, which is NAS, King James, that kind of thing. NIV is more like a dynamic equivalent, thought for thought, so it's more interpretive. Yeah. But and then, and then it all sort of goes down from that as far as translations goes. So you know, everything else I consider from other than NAS and that is like, I look at those as more interpretive and sometimes mm. the interpretations are accurate. Sometimes they're not, <clears throat> but I, I just I read them because I want to, I don't want to sit and focus on the particulars. I just want to yeah. get a, a sense of the overall whole and just let God speak. Mm. And, and maybe there's something that I didn't see in these books when I read through them before, you know, or so on that I, I need to hear this time. And so I just want to just sit back and let God speak. And so, so that, if you have a new idea that arrives while reading a translation like the NAV or something like that, do you, and say so you read something and it's, it's just worded out a different way and, and it's like kind of helped brought, brought a new thought to mind about it. Do you immediately then go to the NASB or to the Greek or Hebrew or whatever and just try to make sure is this thought process that I'm on now correlating with the original? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So okay. if it's a if it's a good thought and that I'll, I'll I'll jump and do that. I mean, it's kind of interesting because you know you can look like NASB going through Ecclesiastes in chapter seven and dealing with the issue of one's you know sad face and a glad heart. And if you put NASB, NIV, and then New Living Translation next to each other and read those verses, it's like, it's sort of like there's the literal, then there's more interpretive, and then there's real interpretive. They're all saying the same thing and they're getting the same point. It's just that, you know, the other two might make things a little bit clearer for someone if they don't get it the first time through. And clearer so, as in the sense helpful. of like, what kind of changes are they going to make to it? Well, it, to help it's, clarify, just maybe use more descriptive words than can be drawn literally straight from the text into English. Either that, or like I say, it's it they're more they're more interpretive, and so it's interpreting what does that particular proverb say? Because in chapter seventy, mm. a series of proverbs, and so what does it say? And and so they're they're interpreting the what was the author's intent, and then they're sort of rendering it according to that. And I say sometimes you can look at it and go, oh, that's an accurate interpretation. If I look back at the original and study it out, um, sometimes it's hard for someone to put a finger on things, right, until someone comes along and sort of, you know, gives a good summary statement that really captures it, and they do it in a way that, you know, m makes sense to you, and you can really get it. And and so those 
translations are are beneficial in that way, but you you always go back to the original just to double check and make sure their accuracy and if they are then you hang on to that because it's a it's a valid interpretation but i you know like i say i try to use that that time at night just to read and just enjoy reading god's word and yeah you know and if there's so is that time would you say that that time maybe are you in more intensive conversation with with god while you're reading because you're just letting your thoughts kind of mull it over and ponder instead of just picking apart I don't know maybe in greater detail yeah because there's always times where you know he might you know capture me with something that I read there and it's like all of a sudden it's like you know he sets me on a a journey of studying out a particular truth or you know actually Mm -hmm. wanting to then dig into that book in more detail because usually I try to, you know, in the, the evening times, read books that I maybe haven't read in a while or I haven't studied through in great detail. And I'm just, you know, getting a sense of what's there. Yeah. And so oftentimes, you know, I find that that just ends up leading me into really digging into the book. I did that with Jude. I, I, I Jude was just decided I'm going to just read it to read it. and And I was reading the first few verses and I was like, well, those are some interesting thoughts. And then I went to the Greek to look at it, and I was like, man, this is amazing. And then I ended up down the line mm. preaching through it and and that. And it's, it's a pretty amazing book. So a lot of times— So do you think a lot of times before you preach through a book, it has started as just a thing that you've picked up to go through on your own? Yeah, yeah. Have you yeah. ever gone into a book and been like, okay, I haven't really gone through this book myself— but I want to just try to tackle it, go ahead, preach through it and stuff, and then you read it through the first time and do that whole thing? Or or is it always a book that you already kind of know because you've gone through it on your own time a few times beforehand? It's usually something that, I, like Ecclesiastes, I enjoyed the book and I've you know read it over the years. I just have never taught through it or anything, and so you know I just decided I would I would go for it. But sometimes with the Psalms, uh, I'll do that. It just, you know, I'll just decide, like, I'll be flipping through the Psalms and and read a verse out of one of the Psalms and think, okay, I'm going to preach on this one, not knowing what the rest of it is just yet, or having yeah. had read it before, you know, just something just enough to be like, okay, this thing I want to I want to talk about here, yeah, which provides more of a challenge than the other because with the other, it's like I have a sense of where it's at. There's something in it that really grabbed me. You know, and but I've read through it and I'm familiar with it by the time I decided to then go on and preach on it. But, you know, so at least you have an awareness Dude. where if you just jump into something, it's like you, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, what well, you're going to actually get into, especially if you're going to commit to an entire book that's yeah. going to take more than one sermon. You're like, I don't know. I want to at least have an idea of what I'm about to try to tackle on yeah. stage in front of other people or whatever. And there's certain um, books that, you know, are tricky. I mean, because... So I had a friend of mine who who hadn't pastored before, and then the Lord led him into that, and he decided that one of the first books he was going to preach to was Hebrews, and you know it's like, yeah, that, that that's a it's tricky. It's not the easiest that's starter the, book. It, it's not, you know, it's like First John. Most Greek classes, when you take beginning Greek, at the end of it, usually they'll have you translate through First John. 
but that's not because First John is an easy book. I mean, it, it it's got some tricky stuff to it. So just you know, have have you ever had a moment where you go into a book and you're just like, you know what, I want to try because I've had this time where I'm like, I want to try, I just want to read this, but I've never really read this book. You know, I just want to kind of go through it on my own time, and then I start, and then I like I get a couple chapters in, and I'm just like, I. I'm not really ready. I don't know if I'm ready to wrestle with these thoughts yet. I don't know if I'm ready to have to actually hear about all this yet. I think maybe I need to start with something a little bit easier for me at the moment and maybe come back to this in like the next couple of days or next week or, or something along those lines. Yeah, but I mean, mostly I've tried to avoid those for the most part. I mean, I know what growing up in the church my whole life and having my dad be a pastor and that I, I I pretty much know where the real difficult books are and the real challenging ones like second Corinthians. I've never preached all the way through second Corinthians. It's not an easy book. There's a lot of great truths there. Well, because there's a lot of swip, switching from one thing to another, like first Corinthians, you have a series of, of disorders within the church that Paul deals with. And so he's responding to each one of them. And so he just goes, you know, first this one, then this one. So in one sense, you can you, you can sort of figure out the context, like 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 deals with spiritual gifts. Those three chapters go together because he starts off with the line, now concerning, now con-. So each new subject, he begins with this phrase, which helps, you know, get a sense of well, where's the overall context for this. Where Second Corinthians, there's more of this moving through thoughts to personal experience, to addressing issues, to, and it's like it's really hard to get a sense of, what is the overall flow and rhythm of the book? But I've preached through sections of it. I mean, mostly verses or chapters eight and nine because they deal with giving, but but completely for a different perspective. But it, you know, it, it's just harder. So I've never really gone through that that book. But I, for the most part, I know where the difficult books are. And so now, you do know, you, you have know any that. longing inside of you? to try to like tackle a book like that? Are you just like, yeah, eventually my magnum opus will be all of second Corinthians and I'm not there yet, but eventually I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna do that. Or, or is it just like a, you know, I, I, there's, it's not a, a pressing issue that I feel like I need to tackle at the moment, or it's just not something that I feel an overwhelming, like calling to, to try to work through. Yeah, I mean, I would I would say there's probably like books like Daniel. I mean, I've done, you know, dealt with Daniel's prophecy, mm. dealing with like history. I I taught a class on intertestamental history using the the prophecies of Daniel, but I would like to preach that book. It's not an easy one. Same with Zechariah. And what makes so, a book uh, like that so difficult? Isn't it mostly just a narrative? It's prophecy, and so, you know, figuring all that stuff out can be really challenging. And it's the kind of Well, thing, is it prophecy that has already happened or prophecy no, that is yet to happen? No, it's yet to happen. Some of it has oh, happened, but yet that there's— that's The thing with prophecy is you have this immediate fulfillment, and then there's still a remote fulfillment of. So it's not all completely fulfilled in the life and times of, you know, those who are reading it at the time that it was written. 
So Why is that the there's case? That, it, there's that telescoping effect that, that prophecy has. And so it, it looks to the time of the audience, to the Messiah, to the end times. And mm. because it has that tele, telescoping effect, as it addresses certain things, it just makes it tricky to, to work through it all. So, you know, and so, so when, why, you're, when you're preaching it, like for personal study, it's one thing, but when you're preaching it, right, you have to make it understandable to everybody else. You only have so yeah. much time each Sunday to cover it. And, you know, so you have to take all those things into consideration. And so books like that, you may not be quick to, to preach to simply because it may be harder for people to grasp and harder to to get it across and in the amount of or if it's time like a bigger a bigger concept or a bigger thing that it's going to be really tough to tackle in yeah. broken up week by week sections where you're going to get lost in the middle of it somewhere. Yeah, and having now why know, is it does it? Oh, go go for it. No, I was just saying having having taught Old Testament survey, New Testament survey, I basically walked through every book in the Bible, an overview mm. of them. And you kind of get a sense of ones that are easier for people to grasp and ones that aren't so easy. And so that's kind of how, you, you know, part of your weighing what you do on Sundays and midweek and stuff like that is. That's interesting. Um, do you, why, why is it, does it, does it mostly happen when it comes to prophecy that it is, something that's going to happen in the future and then in the further future and that's consistent throughout the whole thing yeah pretty much i mean when you're dealing with prophets there is that that element to pretty much all of them um and it's just working through what aspect is about the immediate fulfillment what is the intermediate and what is the more remote fulfillment that is to come sometimes yeah. it's a little bit hard to figure those things out and and so I, those books i think one should be a little bit more hesitant to rush into right it's like revelation there's so much there and there's a lot of good good truth there it's just not an easy an easy book for people to comprehend do you no, feel a drawing in yourself to to want to just go through a book like that just in your own time? Do you find yourself wanting to go to books that you know you're probably not going to teach through at any point? Yeah, because I've done, you know, Zechariah, when I taught Hebrew overseas at the seminary, I did all the uh, advanced Hebrew exegesis, and the book we went through was Zechariah. And mm. so I did, you know, running a running dictionary on the book um, so guys could go through it in the Hebrew I and I basically went chapter by chapter and gave them the more rare words and definitions so on so they could just read through it in the original and, and work through it that way and then we just walked through it together but yeah I mean I started on that book before before I started teaching it I went through it on my own same with Daniel how, now take a book like Revelation how often do you find yourself going to a book like that that's always been my my like most interesting read through. I've always been whenever I'm just like I want to just read a book, it's either the first and second Samuel or it's Revelation. Because first and second Samuel's got the best stories 
all yeah. the best stories are in that book. Those two. And then Revelation's also got the best depiction. Yeah. How often do you go to that book? I pretty frequently. I mean, there's references that are made. There's times where, you know, you may be teaching through something in New Testament or old, depending, and, and your mind goes there. And so there's a lot of times where mentally you 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 kind of go to that book if you know it, you know. But as far as, like, studying it for myself overall, um, you know, there are times in, in my life where I've gone through it and wrestle with certain passages, but usually not the not the whole entire thing. There's certain segments, like if you're dealing with eschatology and, and mm. you know, the chronology of things, where does this happen, this happened, and that kind of thing. So I've gone to it to look through and different things like that. And I've, Interesting. You, you know, and sometimes I get questions from people. Well, quite often I get questions from people asking about certain books that wind wind up driving me to certain books. Just because they do want. you ever do you ever in the back of your head while preparing to teach about a new thing? Maybe it's a psalm, maybe it's a proverb, maybe it's like a one off little clip here and there. Do you ever in the back of your mind be like, "There's." I know the person in this church that needs to hear this message. And do you ever handpick the message to really like, just to like hope that they, are you like, you look over at them like 50% of the time, 50% of the time you're scanning across the rest of the congregation because you know that you're just kind of hoping that they get the hint? You know, when I was younger, I, I, there was a sense in which I did that for sure. And, and yeah, it's like, I feel like it would be a hard thing to fight not doing. Yeah. Cause you almost, not just from a, I want to like passively jabbing at somebody, but like a, I want to teach on something that I know is going to connect with this person. I want to help this person through X, Y, or Z. I feel like that'd be a hard thing to avoid doing. Yeah. But I've realized over the years is that you don't know how a book's going to impact somebody. I mean, even mm. like when you're walking through it, you know, I, and I might think, oh, so-and-so, knowing what their struggles are, this would be a great passage for them. Yeah. And then someone comes up after the sermon and they start talking about how it really, you know, impacted them and and they start sharing about, you know, what's going on in their life, what have you, and you would never imagine that, you know, it would have hit that somebody that in way. The first place. Yeah. So yeah. I've, I've learned it like, like try not to force it, you know, cause you can do that. It's like you, if you start to imagine, Oh man, so-and-so should really hear this. And then you start targeting towards them. It's like, well, are you trying to manipulate them now? Right. And <laughs> yeah. make them, you know? And, and so it's like, you can't do that because then you, it's hard to then to remain objective. Right. Because you can start getting really sort of subjective and manipulative and targeting that have you ever had something like that blow up in your face like have you ever in your younger years maybe have you been more drawn to teach something knowing something about someone else in the church and like has that ever gone poorly or have you ever actually followed through with it or you just had thought those thoughts but never went that way no i've never like i've never thought okay someone needs to hear this and then preached a sermon to targeting a Mm -hmm. certain person it's usually when i'm studying through something and it's like you're going through a passage and and then all of a sudden someone comes to mind you think oh man they're wrestling with this this would be a great passage for them to hear or whatever you know uh, 
And it's what is usually usually your course like of action that. when you have that thought? Is it do you reach out, you send them the verse or send them the thing no. say, hey, maybe give this a read? Do you usually just let it? No, I just, you know, I just try to sort of set that aside because, you know, I realize, that, look, I just give it to the Lord because the spirit knows who needs to hear what. And he's also yeah. the one in control on the other end. I mean, he's in control on this end and I need to yield to him as I'm studying and mm. as I'm putting things together, and then I need to trust him on the other end that as the truth is being proclaimed, that he'll move in the hearts of his people and help them understand what they need to understand. Mm. So I, and I uh, most of the time, I you know, and it's funny because, you know, I get people who come up, and sometimes, and most of the time, I'll just say, it, it's like I can think, man, that was such a lousy sermon. And thinking, man, what was I trying to say? And usually when I feel that way is usually when I get more sponsors from people going, man, that really hit me where I needed to be hit. And I'm like, Interesting. Okay. So it just tells me, look, it, it has nothing to do with you, right? It's the it's yeah. the spirit of God. And and sometimes you feel like, man, I really put this thing together this Sunday. And then it's just <laughs> like there's nothing, right? Nobody Crickets nobody chirping. <laughs> no one said anything. Everyone's just like dozing in their seat. Yeah, They're just, just getting like, up for coffee two, three times in the yeah. middle. You're like, okay, God, I get it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever had have you ever had like a really rough I know like comedians have hecklers and interactions like that. Have you ever had like a really rough member in the congregation mid service or something you've had to work around? I'm sure there's been plenty of times in our church in the home, but like baby just won't stop crying and they won't do anything about it. Like what has been some of the most like hard inconvenient moments in your teaching history? You know, usually that stuff I don't that stuff doesn't necessarily bother me so much. I don't, like, I mean, I'm just going to keep preaching. Because I've had kids walk up and, you know, grab my Bible and start wrinkling up the pages while I'm preaching. You know, and I'm not really? Gonna, Wait, really? Yeah. So, you know, I've just, I'm just going to keep preaching. And if anyone's listening, you know. Wait, when you say kids, you mean like a toddler or you mean like someone was angry at you so they just started ripping pages no, out of your just Bible? one of the little kids that just were oh, okay, you know, okay. wandering yeah, I was around gonna to say. church and came up and were playing with the Bible while I was preaching, started crinkling the pages that makes up. Sense. And, that makes sense. Have you ever had a kid do that and the parent just lets it go? Well, yeah, that that one was one of the times where they did. The parent didn't do anything. You just watch a kid. <laughs> They just wouldn't. like chuckle to themselves and think it's so cute. You're just yeah. like, do you not realize that this is not the time nor place? It's like, it's like how many times have we went and seen Uncle Scott playing live music and some kid wanders up on stage, starts playing with the PA and pushing the knobs and stuff. And the parents just like kind of yeah. is beckoning the kid back, but they're not actually <laughs> going up there and stopping him. And it's like, come on, but that is your kid. Uh, I mean, if kid kids- would you walk up there and push the buttons? No, no. I've had kids who play in the aisles. They crawl under the chairs while you're preaching. and whatever. I've seen but, that. I've seen that one. There's a lot that get... How do you not get distracted? How do you not, like, lose your train of thought because you're watching? Because I... There's been many a times where I'm not even remotely listening to you because something else is happening in the pews, and I am fully fixed on that, and everyone <laughs> else around me is fully fixed on that. And do you never feel like an overwhelming need to acknowledge it? Or like, no. do you ever lose where you're at? No, because I, I, to me, it's like situations like that. You know that it's distracting people, 
And so, you know, you kind of just try to keep, keep things moving. Right. And hopefully that someone will step in and, you know, take care of it or deal with it. Yeah. But so I try to just sort of keep the, the flow of things because usually it comes back around and then whatever was the distraction has, you know, been dealt with or whatever, you know. But, I mean, I've had everyone, you know, people fall asleep. People, I, when I was in Russia, it was, it was interesting because I had a guy sit in the front row and he would always tap his watch. And he would give me these exasperated sounds and looks on his face and everything. Oh, God. Oh, boy. And then got, How long were you hitting? How long were you going back then? Because now you you, ta- you cap it at what, 45 minutes? Well, I've, it, since I've been doing Ecclesiastes, I was made uh, aware of the fact that I've been going maybe 30, 35 minutes tops. That's, see, can I be honest? That's pocket. 30, 35, you go 35 minutes and you've left me wanting more. I'm like, oh, I can't wait for next week. We're just getting started. But you go 45 to an hour, hour plus, I'm just like, oh, boy, man. I don't want to be thinking that. That's the thing. I don't want to be wishing I was somewhere else. But you go an hour plus and I'm like, I don't I don't even want to watch a movie that's an hour plus. And they got CGI. I can't just sit here and listen yeah. to you talk to me for an hour hour and a half that's outrageous it depends like you know i used to do more review like when i went through the gospels i i would oftentimes review like passages that i covered before and then go on to the new one but you know over the years i've i've been more detail oriented and and that kind of thing and I've sort of cut back a, a little bit on that because I realize that people can't take all of that in. But it a lot too just depends on the book. I mean, you know, if I if I'm in a, a letter, for example, in the New Testament, every word is just chock full of significance, right? Because you're dealing oh, yeah. with something that's rather short. You're dealing with mm-hmm. a language that's precise. You're you're dealing with so many elements that. There's just so much there, as opposed to like a gospel narrative. It's the vignettes and how they're put together is the point, right? It's yeah. not yeah, necessarily yeah. all the details. So it just depends too on the on the book that I'm I'm preaching through as to how long I'll I'll be there. But I don't clock myself. I don't ever like I can look and say, okay. I usually try to keep my slide count because I do PowerPoint. I usually try yeah. to keep it under 60. Sometimes it goes over. You know, I've been known for Bible studies to 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 be more like in the realm of 70 slides, you know, 75. Boy, 70 slides. And so it's like. 70 slides. So it's like, you know, but it's all, I mean, packed full of stuff. But Wednesday nights, I can go for an hour and then some, and people are there, they expect that. Where Sundays, it's a mix, right? You've got people there with their kids. You know, they've got yeah. stuff they do in the afternoon. There's It's just a different setting and different things are going on. And then it just depends on, on the book I'm doing. But, yeah, but I don't really like, I mean, and I could have 50 slides. It can be an you know hour-long sermon or it could be a 30-minute sermon. The That's slides true. aren't even a tell. True. It just, and it depends on what I do because I self-edit a lot when I'm preaching. I don't even give half of what I study. Yeah, in the notes, and and I don't put out everything that I'm gonna say either. So it's like I could have much to say, or I could pretty much just you know stick to what's on the slides kind of thing. So it just depends. Have you ever had that moment though, where you, you look at the slides and you have a sense of the time and you're like, 
we aren't even going to kind of make it through all these today. Yeah, there's times where I, I you know, I used to, I, I used to do that. Like when we first started the church in the home, I would be preaching, and we weren't recording or videotaping or any of that, and so people could ask questions. And I would do that. You know, someone asked a really good question, and I'd say, let's just stop and talk about it. And we would just discuss mm. it. And I would just say, let's yeah. just end here, and we'll come back and pick up where we left off. And it was that flexible. We could do that, and we had a lot of great conversations in that. Once we started recording, there was sort of this this burden to, you know, one, people didn't ask questions because we were recording, but also yeah. there was this sense like you need to finish all the way through. But, you know, lately I've just kind of been doing that where I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm going through and I'm just like, look, I'll start into the message and realize, look, we're not going to get through all this. So you have the notes, take them home, you know, yeah. I'll come back and look at some of these things next week. But this is, we're just going to, you know, finish up to a certain point and then just do that. Do and, you feel like you've lo- lost anything? with that ever since recording and stuff now that people don't feel that you don't have like less of a conversational kind of message where it's open for that where it's just kind of you know you're here to sit down and hear the full thing through and you're not supposed to really interact or engage with you at any point do you feel like that loses anything that you maybe had before yeah no it just depends on who is in you know who's a part of that 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 time of worship because earlier days there were those who really just genuinely wanted to know and understand but i've also had people when we started recording there have been a few times where people have come to visit and they've raised their hand and asked if they could ask questions in the middle of a sermon i'm like sure far away i actually i actually know one of the people that you're talking about i remember an incident like that. and usually they have a chip on their shoulder or they have yeah, yeah, a yeah. view and they're not really looking for understanding as much as they want to sort of contend with what you it's said. like they're, they're waiting for you to finally step on the line yeah and it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, he said it. Oh, he said exactly what I was waiting for him to say because now I have the full right to be able to now engage with him because this is what I disagree with and this yeah. is what I see because MacArthur said it like this and you're saying it like this. And the fact that you'd contradict MacArthur, I don't even think that <laughs> – what are you saying? You know more than MacArthur? What, the most famous pastor ever maybe? Yeah. So it it just depends on who who is there because it's kind of like you know if you go to a Bible study and 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 people say well we I, no one's really teaching it we're all just sort of discussing it and yeah and there's usually two ways that can go but most of the time it goes the one way it's just people pooling their ignorance no one really knows it and they <laughs> sit around and go well you know my you know how i understand what this means to me is this and you get into this whole relativism garbage instead of there's only one meaning and let's see if we yeah. can come to understand that and so you know you get people like that who want to just they want to have that kind of community discussion because they want to show everybody else how much they know and how smart yeah. they are and we used to have someone in the body time who was to shine. like that yeah, and we had someone in the body like that, and he just liked to pick arguments with everybody just because he wanted to show off everything he, he knew and, and so on, that, that he was well-read. and That, that reminds me of, uh, I went to um, 
I went to a buddy of mine. He's an AA, and uh, I've never been to an AA meeting, but I was eager to go. I was like, this is dope, and he, it was his one year, and so it was some kind of celebration, so they do something for people when they hit the one year or whatever, and he was going to give a little speech or something. So I show up. The vibe of AA meetings are the coolest youth group you could possibly go to, at least to the one that I went to. I was like, oh, this is like youth group, but if they just eliminated all the weird kids and like it felt like everyone was really there and it wasn't, it didn't feel so, youth groups have a very, oh, they feel very like you're always being excluded by everyone else. Or like you just see big clumps of kids grouped together and if you don't happen to have a friend in one of those clumps, then you're just kind of sitting against a wall somewhere. Yeah. And, like, it didn't have that vibe. It felt very, very um, connected. But there was this dude. So everyone was kind of going up, and they were saying, like, does anyone have anything to say for, like, being sober for this many, this one month, three months, whatever. And so it, they were asking, does anyone have anything else that they want to say? And this guy raised his hand. He's like, yeah, I would like to, whatever. And he's like, hi, my name is, I don't remember what. He's like, I am, well, boy, I want to say 14 days sober. So he's re- really getting really new to this yeah and um and i was like okay well let me hear this guy's perspective and he proceeds to kind of meander on like this he's like hey my name is yada yada i'm 14 days sober i um you know i just i realized that i kind of needed to start getting my life together a bit more and I, I knew that that was going to take some sacrifices. So, and that meant I had to kind of just step away from the group I was hanging out with. And I was hanging out with a lot of like, you know, my celebrity friends and famous people that I knew, very glamorous folk. And I was just like, I, I knew that I needed to step away and hang out with not lesser people because pe- no one's really lesser, but just more like average people <laughs> because it was just too, I couldn't keep up with the lifestyle. And it was, and everyone, you could just tell everyone in the room was just chuckling to themselves and to their buddies and just rolling their eyes because this guy clearly had a long way to go to deal with his other issues. And I was like, bro, alcoholism is not where you should stop with your working progress because you got a lot of progress to keep working through. Um, but it's very, it's a, it's like, it's, it's a place, youth groups or Bible studies or things like that where you, if it's interactive, you have a chance to speak. And some people think that it's their time to prove why they're that guy in the room that's like, oh, well, he just quoted a whole entire passage. Yeah. And it's just like, it's their time to shine. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, well, and that's the thing. I mean, it's not, it's not there to it's not there with the mindset of let's let's all get it right it's about who's right and who's mm. smarter and who's right i mean who who's more well read than others and and that kind of thing and as opposed to like this can benefit everybody and so let's try to understand it you know um Back, back to, back to your day to day relationship with the Lord, and maybe this is something for you that you, it's not as pertinent now, but how it was at one point. But being the fact that I've just kind of recently started to engage with my faith on a daily basis, and this is the first time where I feel like I haven't gone periods of time without doing that. It seems like most days for the last year I have been in the Word at least a little bit throughout my day and been in prayer. And not all days pan out as well as others, and not all days feel the same. And I think 
One thing that I have an issue with is I, I, I don't have any doubt that God isn't listening to me when I'm praying. And I, and I don't have any doubt that I can't trust what he says. But at the same time, I do have those times where I feel like I'm just spinning my wheels and I'm talking to him, but it's just like, I just, I don't feel very either connected. I don't feel like I'm actually having a conversation with him. I feel like I'm just, I don't know, like I'm grasping for something to feel like I'm moving again in my faith and I feel stagnant. I feel like I don't know how to get back up and get, get re, I don't know, reignite the, not the spark, like looking for a certain kind of emotion from it, but this sense of just, I'm not just reading it for the sake of reading and talking to him for the sake of talking to him because that's what I'm supposed to do. And then, and, and, but then it feels disingenuous at times and it's like, it's hard. Sometimes I really don't know how to hit that like mental or spiritual reset. And yeah. uh, I really struggle to know how to pull myself. Cause that has been my, seems like my now struggle is this is instead of these big issues that I have to conquer. And then when I run to him, it's like, Oh, what a relief. And it feels it's just like the day-to-day routine of being in a relationship with him and having these conversations with him. And, and, and I don't know, do you have that happen to you now? Have you had that happen to you in the past? And what kind of things do you do to when that, when that does occur? Yeah. I mean, I, sometimes it's just, it's different when you're in ministry. It seems like there's a lot of output and, and not surprisingly, sort of as much input like when you're when you're constantly you know ministering to other people and you're you're putting yourself out there um and it seems as though even like when you're studying it's for everybody else kind of thing i mean it does at at times become where you just feel like you're dry and you can't (laughs) I, I pretty much in my life that there's certain periods of the year your your mom can see it coming and she'll be like, you're ready for a break, aren't you? Because you just, yeah. I'm like running dry. You got nothing left to say and nothing to. Nothing new to, is coming in. Yeah. But I think, you know, when you can add variation to your life, like, you know, when you listen to other people it's really good because Spurgeon said there's two things that a a student of the word of God can make. The first is to take everyone else's word for it. And the second is to think that no one else has anything to say. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we have a tendency to read books about rather than read the book. And we have a tendency to listen to everyone else interpreting passages rather than we doing it. But the other side is that you can fail to realize that other people have insights on a passage that maybe you didn't have or something you missed or didn't see and that there's contribution that others can make. And so sometimes, you know, reaching out and, you know, having, you know, if you if you are studying through a book, like I say, that's a it's a good way to go because you know where you're going to be the next day. Right. You have this. Your mom does it like. If she has found in her life where, you know, if she, if you're not studying a book and you're just sort of jumping around different things, it's really hard to to keep track, and it can at times be easier to sort of get you know disillusioned by because you're just not you know because what if you read a verse and you don't get anything out of it? You know yeah, what I mean, then I've read two psalms back to back, and I nothing yeah. stood out to me. 
So the studying part is necessary. Reading is only just the, the starting of, you know, our handling of the Word of God. Everyone should also then get in, in depth and study it. And yeah. when you do that, it's good. Then you have other people that you can read commentaries on books. And it's good to have more than just one. You should have several. Um, but then you have other voices that, that are speaking and, and insights that they have. And then you go back and, you know, look at the context to see if those flush out. If they do, great, hang on to them. If they don't, then you set them aside. But it, it can keep you from those moments where you feel stagnant, say, I'm not seeing anything here. I'm not getting it out of this. Well, someone else has had thoughts on it, and those could, you know, trigger something. Spirit can use that to to bring a, a truth to life for you and, and keep you moving. And so that's one way in which you can, you know, freshen things up and, and sort of keep you from feeling like you're, you know, you're in quicksand a little bit spiritually yeah. is just realize that there are other others that can contribute to you. But again, I think that the, the time that that is most helpful is if you are in a book, because then you can go back and weigh it by the book and, and, you know, you're, you're working through something towards something and at the end, then you can look back and say, "Okay, I've studied through this. I understand it. I, I've covered the, you know, the doctrines and that are there, and all of these things. And, you know, then you can turn around. Now you have something you can impart to somebody else, because mm. Christ said that we're supposed to be doing that, right? Making disciples of all the nations, teaching them all that I have commanded you. And so, everyone, in one sense, is to partake in a teaching ministry of the word. Well, well that means you also yeah. have to study it, and know it." But, you know, if you're in a book like that and you're going through it, you know, reading other people and, and, you know, like I say, with the other translations is something can trigger for you and, you know, give you a new thought or, you know, get you thinking, hey, maybe this should be seen in a different way. Well, you know what? You know what I hope deep down inside my heart, um, my heart that is very cold and calloused and God is slowly softening it on a daily basis. I hope that this podcast can be a place that people come to and hear something that reignites a new thought for them and helps them reengage with the word and with their walk of the Lord. See that beautiful transition I just made to the outro? Very nice. Can I get an amen? Amen. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Well, on that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the May God Help Us podcast. We will see you next week with hopefully some more. I mean, it's you're a wealth of knowledge, my friend. And it seems like all I have to do is ask a couple questions and let you run with the whole podcast on your own. And I just get to sit back and take it in. There's really every other the other podcast that I do. Um, hashtag Lost for Summer podcast on Spotify, uh, other places. Um I feel like I have to do so much more talking. And with this one, I the first episode I came into this thinking that I was going to need to talk heavily. And I realized I don't have nearly as much to say. <laughs> so I really shouldn't be. if Because as soon as I start opening my mouth too much, I'm just stepping on gems and beautiful ideas that are being let out there left and right by you. And I don't even think you realize it, but you're just kind of putting them out there. And so I'm, I'm very honored to be able to ask you questions and hear you answer them for me. Beer, but you know you actually have quite a bit of wisdom to impart so well that's mostly Don't. came from upbringing by you but I, I would like to believe that there's at least a few nuggets in there i've learned on my own and by my own i mean solely through the spirit enlightening me 
I would like to say the Lord did his work in spite of <laughs> my many flaws, <laughs> flaws and errors. Listen, I've been sabotaging my own growth for so long. It's all been in spite of me. <laughs> All right. Well, in that case, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. We will see you next week. And remember, may the Lord help us. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Catch you later. See ya. (laughs) 